Alleluia, Christ is risen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Thursday was a huge day in the life of the Holy Christian Church when Jesus, according to his human and divine natures, two natures in one Christ, ascended into heaven. He returned to his heavenly throne, which he had never left, as we just sang in that great hymn from my fellow countryman, St. Columba. But now, he has taken our humanity, our flesh and blood, to be seated at the right hand of God, to be back in full communion with God as Adam was before the fall into sin in the garden. We confess this every time we confess the creeds, and now you'll notice that even though we don't have the Paschal candle lit, as a reminder that Christ's visible presence is no longer with us, though we do not see him, he is not gone. Now, as the ascended Lord, he has all authority in heaven and on earth and is exercising all of his power and authority for us, for our good, to be present here, even now as he is present with his church throughout the world as it is gathered today at this very moment. But how great would it be? How great would it be if Jesus really were visibly present among us? If Christ had not ascended into heaven, we could point to him and say, look, we told you so. All of that stuff that we read about in the Bible, it's true because he's right here. We can see him with our own eyes. But don't forget what Jesus actually said to you about his ascension just a few weeks ago. What did he say? He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, I will not send the Holy Spirit to you. And then he says again today. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, he will bear witness about me. This last Sunday of Easter, the Sunday between Ascension and Pentecost, acts as a bridge as between the season of Easter, the resurrection of Easter and his ascension, and the rest of our lives as Christian people. With the words of today's gospel text, Jesus was preparing his disciples and is preparing us for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and our life beyond. So with that in mind, let's see about this advantage. What does the Holy Spirit actually do among us? The Old Testament is a record of God's work throughout all of human history. The church holds that the Holy Spirit is divine, has divinely inspired the prophets to write what they wrote in the scriptures. We said it in the Nicene Creed, again, I believe in the Holy Spirit who spoke by the prophets. This doesn't just mean that the Holy Spirit sort of directed these men what to write and preach, although that is true. But it also means that the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to the very truth that God was revealed in the man Jesus Christ 
through the preaching of the prophets. Our Lord affirms this after his resurrection, on the evening of the resurrection, when he was speaking to the Emmaus disciples, and then again in the upper room, when he interprets all of the Old Testament, the Psalms, the prophets, and Moses in light of his life and for their, for their good. Peter writes in his second epistle, we didn't read from that this morning, but he writes in that second letter, and we have the prophetic word, more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who has given us everything in the Old Testament. But his job wasn't finished there. That same Holy Spirit continues to bear witness to Christ through the teaching of the apostles in the New Testament. Jesus says of these men, he who hears you, hears me. St. Paul even confesses that the scriptures are God-breathed. Not that just man was telling, that God was telling the men what to write, but that he was also working through the preaching of that word to create and sustain faith in the hearts of those who hear it. So, there's good news there, dear saints. This means that it's not up to us to convert anyone. That's rather well beyond our power. It is the Spirit who bears witness to Jesus who converts unbelieving hearts to the Christian faith. When we hear the apostolic word, the Holy Spirit is creating and sustaining faith in us. And when that word is proclaimed in the world, it converts hearts to faith in Christ. Remember what Paul says in Romans 10. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. As if the scriptures aren't enough testimony for us, the Holy Spirit also bears witness to Christ through visible means. In the waters of holy baptism, the Spirit has created a relationship between you and your Lord. You are not only baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you are made Christ's brother or sister as you are adopted into God's family, the church. As a new creation, you are now live, a living stone in the temple of God's house. The Holy Spirit testifies to you that God the Father has called you by name in your baptism and has bought you back from sin, death, and hell with the very precious blood of Christ. And in a few minutes, the Holy Spirit will point you again to that blood that is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins as you come and receive it at this altar here. This witness of Christ, though, does drive us beyond what we do here on Sunday mornings. It drives us to bear witness to the work of Jesus outside of these walls. We follow the example of the apostles who, carried by the Holy Spirit, say, We believed, and therefore we speak. Speaking to each other and to our neighbors about Jesus as God gives us opportunity is 
part and parcel of the Christian life. You well know, however, that we live in a world that hates the witness of Jesus. Jesus says, they will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering a service to God. We actually read about one such excommunication in John 9, as Jesus has healed a man who was born blind and brings him into the faith. He confesses Jesus as his savior, and then he's thrown out from his synagogue. Even his parents want to disown him. They don't want to say anything about him, so they don't get into any trouble. We see this violence that begins to break out very early in the apostolic years as there was a, a persecution that arose in Jerusalem, beginning with the stoning of St. Stephen, that led all the way up through the end of the apostolic age when all of the apostles, save John, died as martyrs for the Christian faith. Indeed, we still see our Christian brothers and sisters today being slaughtered for their faith in many parts of the world today. In a lot of those cases, those who profess faith in false gods perpetuate this violence as an act of service to their gods. Consider the Christian school that was attacked just a few months ago. This attack was perpetuated by someone who had turned against the preaching of the gospel. That person worshipped the gods of our age, believing that you could change from one sex to another and opposed those who taught the truth. But dear saints, this is not the only persecution that the church faces and will face. As the world continues to press in on us and tell us that our views are backwards and on the wrong side of history, we will face pressure to conform to the world's morality that directs us to ourselves rather to the, than to the unchanging truth of God's word. Satan has done an amazing job in his work among us. He has isolated us from one another. He's divided us into this or that identity group and set us against one another more than I have seen in my short time in this world. This is an old tactic. It's an old war tactic called divide and conquer. We are made to feel alone in our confession of faith. Have you ever been a bit embarrassed about what you believe when in conversation with others or when you read the newspaper or maybe even you feel that tinge of embarrassment when something is said from this pulpit this is why it's essential even now more than ever to gather here in this place with other Christians to hear God's Word with other Christians to sing God's praises with other Christians to pray together to receive the sacrament of the altar together the Holy Spirit calls and gathers the church together in this place and joins the whole church together in heaven and on earth. You're not alone, but you are surrounded not only by the brotherhood here, but also by a great cloud of witnesses that the Holy Spirit has seen fit to preserve their stories for us in his holy word for the upbuilding of the life and faith of the church. But why does the world hate us so much? What does Jesus say? A servant is not above his master. Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute 
you. But Jesus also says, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You have been called by God himself from eternity. By his work through the water and the spirit, you have been placed into the nail-pierced hands of Christ. And nothing can separate you from God's love for you in Christ Jesus. By the very word which he has called you by, the Holy Spirit will also strengthen and keep you. This is why the Holy Spirit is sent to you as a reminder of what Jesus has promised to you to strengthen you and keep you in the one true faith. Jesus says, I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. When that hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So Jesus isn't here just giving a heads up so that we can worry and fret about what is to come. But instead, he says these things to you to comfort you. That way, when his words prove true, the Holy Spirit will remind you of all that Christ has done and said, all the promises that he's made to you, and the victory that he's given to you that he has, that he has won at the cross. That victory that he has won over the entire world in his death. The Holy Spirit calls us out of the darkness of this life by the light of the gospel, and he enlightens you through the gift of your baptism into Christ. In these things, Christ promises to be with you even to the end of the age. And the Holy Spirit is faithful to use the word of God to remind you, and even in the midst of the muck and mire of this life, that Jesus is with you. Even now, where we are gathered in his holy and precious name, Christ is here with us. Even more so, he is present bodily for you to eat and to drink from this altar. It is from this meal, where we are gathered into one family, that the Holy Spirit seeks to join us together into one body. Dear saints, this body must live outside of the walls of this church. As the world presses in on us, we will need each other more and more as the days grow cold. We will need to take care of one another as the first Christians did. We must build our families to be able to stand up to the coming persecution. The world wants to sacrifice us on the altar of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to their way of looking at the world. And only by joining ourselves to one another, coming together around the word of God and his means of grace, not just on Sunday morning, but also together in the world, by caring for one another, by praying for one another, will we be, will we be able to withstand what is to come? Jesus promises that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, that is where he is. His kingdom is in the midst of believers. And this presence of Christ continues with you even to the end of the age, even after your body lies buried in the ground. For he himself, who is the resurrection and the life, will raise you up to life everlasting on the last day. So take heart, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Your Lord Jesus Christ, though he has ascended, has sent you his Holy Spirit, the helper, 
the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, to call you by the gospel, to enlighten you with his gifts, and to strengthen and keep you in the one true faith. This he does through his word and his sacraments. This he does through the mutual conversation and consolation of the brothers, of being with other Christian people. And in these things, dear saints, he promises to bless and keep you all the way up until his return. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia! And now the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.